going to get into a message, and this is a family service and a family-style message. It's going to be a little bit different than usual because we're going to be tag-team preaching this one. In just a few moments, Pastor Chris is going to come, and he's going to help me with this. And, and my wife, Day, who leads our kids' ministry and serves as our kids' pastor, she's going to be coming in a minute, and she's going to be preaching for a little bit. And so we want to just get ready to hear the word, and the theme, as you just heard sung about, is Rocky Railway. And, and here's the thought. Jesus' power pulls us through. How many of you would just testify today and say that 2020 has been a little rocky? Anybody? All right. You can take your halo off. Let's be real on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult than we expected. So the question that we want to answer is simply this. How do we stay on track on the rocky railway of life? How do we stay on track? How many of you remember the story, the little engine that could? Anybody remember that story? Look, I don't care how old you are. That story is older than you. If you're here in church today, the little golden books, the little engine that could. You remember that story? What, what did he say? said, I think I can. I think I can, right? You remember the story? It, it was a train that was trying to get up over the hill. I'm going to tell it in case somebody does it. I didn't get all the hands up. Train's trying to get over the hill because on the other side of the mountain, some boys and girls, and the train's full of toys and dolls and candy and food for the kids. But the engine breaks down, and so the train is sitting on the tracks, and all the, all the dolls and the clowns and the Food and everything is just sitting there. So they, they see another train come along after a little while. And it's a big, shiny new train. And they go, hey, could you take us up over the hill? And the, the big, shiny train says, I just, I carry people. I carry important people. I don't carry food. I don't carry clowns. I don't carry toys. I carry people. I'm not taking you over the hill and leaves them there. And after another a little while, another train comes, a big, strong train and they said, you've got plenty of strength. Will you take us up over the hill so that we can take all these items to the boys and girls? And the strong train said, I just came back from over there. I'm hauling equipment and machinery, and I'm not going back over that hill. That's an inconvenience. And he left them there. Finally, after a little while, a third train comes along. And this engine looks old and a little broken down. But the little train full of all the toys for the boys and girls says, will you pull us up over the mountain to get to them? And, and the old engine said, I, I've, I've done this one too many times. I, I don't have it in me anymore. I, I don't think I can even get back over that hill again. And the old engine leaves. And finally, finally, a little engine comes trucking along. And so the little toys, they're looking at this engine and they're going, I don't, I don't know if that engine can get up over this hill. I don't know if that engine's strong enough to pull us, but we're going to ask it anyway. And they asked the little engine, and the little engine said, well, I've never done that hill before. I've never pulled a train this long before, but I think I can, right? I think I can. And so the engine hooks up to the train, and with all of his might, the little engine, she begins to pull. And when she pulls, the wheels start turning, and she says, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Somebody make a train with me this morning. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And then what happened? Finally, 
The little engine that thought it could got up over the mountain, and all the toys were happy, and all the boys and the girls were happy. Maybe you've had an experience like this before where you said, I think I can, 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 and you didn't. Anybody been there? Anybody wise enough to tell me that life doesn't always work out like the storybooks? How many of you know that sometimes positive, positive mental attitude is not enough? to get you over the next hill, to get you over the next adversity. It might sound like a nice nursery rhyme, but you can, I think you can, right off the side of the track. And so how do we stay on track when it gets tough on life's rocky railway? Well, we're going to give you some ways today that you can stay on track. And I'm going to invite my wife to come, and she's going to give us the first one because I believe God wants to help us today to understand that we can keep climbing. Good morning, church. It's so good to be up here. I jokingly say it's kind of good to be up here. <laughs> so how, what do we do when we can't? Uh, we need to lay some firm tracks that we can run on. So the first track that I brought with me today, the word. Okay, now I'm used yeah. to doing kids ministry. So kids, the word. What is that? A good word? Bad word? What word are you talking about? The Bible is what I'm talking about. God's word is a firm foundation. I'm going to give this to Pastor Chris because I'm not good at construction. He's going to help build this track up here. <laughs> All right, so Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus says, this is something we can build on, that we can run on, that will never fade. It will never go away. Do you ever feel like you're going along pretty good, and then someone just pulls the rug out from underneath you? Maybe all of 2020 just felt like, Phew. there it goes. But God says, my word will never pass away. It's a firm foundation that we can run on that will never fade. So what is the word? 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, through human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's a big verse, right? What is that? That's Peter talking. Now, Peter is one of Jesus' closest friends. He walked with him for three and a half years, and now this is Peter writing this. He's older and a little wiser, probably a lot wiser. He was a smart guy, and he's leading a church now, and he's telling the church that this is not just a story. This is God's story. This is God-breathed. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a bunch of stories put together. So here are some Bible facts for you guys. The Bible is not just one book. Does anyone know how many, how many of my kids, does anyone know how many books are in the Bible? 66. Good job. Yay, Kids Church. 66 separate books, 40 different authors, three different languages on three different continents over a span of 1,600 years. 
And all of these authors, they come together and they range from farmers to tent makers to prophets and pastors. And they all write this story that's inspired by God and it's congruent. It all flows together. It never contradicts itself. That's how we know that we can trust the word of God because it's human authors that spoke from God by the Holy Spirit. We can trust that when life gets rocky and we don't know what to do and we think we can't, God's word says we can. Psalm 119.105, this is the one, kids, this is your takeaway for today. This is your big word. This is the one I want you to memorize. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. What does that mean? Whenever I read that scripture, I think of those light up shoes. Raise your hand if you ever had the light up shoes. Don't lie. I had moms holding up their teenagers' hands in the first service. Yep. So that's not what it's talking about, though. This is more like when we can't see where we're going. You ever been hiking at night or in the dark or take a walk in the dark? You need a flashlight. Can't see where you're going. That's what God's word is like to us. It lights our path. It illuminates the direction that we're supposed to take. It's like a guidebook. I can't emphasize enough how important God's word is. Every Sunday, most Sundays I'm upstairs, and in kids' church, we read God's word. We dissect it. We talk about what it means. We memorize it. We call that hiding God's word in our heart. We memorize God's word. During the time that we couldn't gather here in the building was one of the hardest times for me as their kids pastor because I was wondering, are they reading God's word? Is someone reading it to them? What's going on in their homes? I don't know. I heard some, I mean, we teach them how to do it. Are they really doing it? I heard some good testimonies from moms, and it, it, I loved it. They said, you know, we're really growing spiritually as a family. We're reading the Bible together. I love those kinds of stories. That's what it's supposed to be. I know that not every kid that comes here even comes with a parent. Some, some of the kids just walk from the neighborhood, and I love that. Love having them here. But I'm pretty sure they're not going home to someone who's reading the Bible to them. So it just really put an emphasis on the importance of knowing how to read and study God's word for ourselves. This verse in Deuteronomy, this is more for the parents. Kids, you can listen, but here you go, parents. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Parents, we're supposed to be the example are you reading the Bible at home? Do your kids see you reading the Bible? It's a good challenge for myself. I like to get up early. That's not true. <laughs> I like to get up earlier than my kids. And I read the Bible on my own. How often do I read it out loud? Not too often, honestly. So that was a good challenge for myself. We need to be the example. Let your kids see you getting God's word. Talk about it when you lie down. When you get up, tell them what it means. If you'll take your stand on the word of God, you can make it over life's rocky railway, even when you think you can't. So we're going to do this verse, this one I said, this is the one I want it to stick. So I'm 119, 105. Kids, I want you to do it. I won't make you dance today, but I want you to do it with me as loud as you can. Let's show the parents how loud we can be. Ready? Let's do it together. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path.
Psalm 119, 105. Let's do it one more time. You guys can do better than that. You ready? Okay. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Psalm 119, 105. Great job, you guys. Thank you, Miss Day. Let's give her a hand here this morning. Being in front of the adults is not her comfort zone. Uh, And honestly, it's not my comfort zone either. You guys make me uncomfortable. But I have the second word for you guys here today, and Pastor's going to help me put this up on our our Rocky Railway, which is a tongue twister. Try saying that 10 times fast. But what does this one say? Can anybody see that? Prayer. Prayer, yeah. So this is our second one on the Rocky Railway is prayer. Thank you, Pastor. And right away, I'm going to put up a verse here. Uh, Miss Day had a long verse, but I have a really, 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 really short verse for you. Kids, you ready for this? I think you can memorize this. You ready? It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. All right, here it is. Here's how big it is. Ready? Pray continually. Everybody say that with me. Pray continually. I think one more time. Pray continually. Can anybody memorize that? Can anybody say it again? Pray continually. Yeah, you got to say it loud enough so that everybody that's on Facebook can hear that as well. And so that says to pray continually. You know, prayer is really just a conversation with God. My daughter was in the first service and she's seven years old and, and she, I don't talk to her and go, thus saith the Lord, honey. You know, no, no, that's not how I speak, right? I, I say, I talk to my daughter because I know her and I have relationship with her and a relationship is two ways, right? We, we hear God through his word. We can also hear God as we're praying. And so there's times that we need to listen to God. And there's times that we need to speak and have a conversation with God. You know what's incredible to me is that out of all the things that the disciples asked Jesus about, out of all the things they could have asked about, they asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. You know, they, they said about, about miracles, you know, like, like Jesus, why did you spit in that mud and put it on that guy's eye? Like, how did that heal him? Or, or how did you get that arm to grow back? You know, no, that's not the things they, they said. They didn't say, you know what, Jesus, teach us to speak like you speak. They said, no, Jesus, teach us how to pray because there was power in his prayers because Jesus showed them over and over again that he prayed continually. Let me just tell you what it doesn't mean when it says pray continually. You don't need to go home and pray for eight hours a day, then go to sleep and wake up and pray again and again and again and again. You know, right now I'm not even talking to you. I'm actually praying in my head. No, that's not what prayer is. You see, we also have to do the other commandments that God has for us, but I want to show you Uh, an area in scripture that a young man named Daniel had to pray. All right, now listen, this, this Daniel, he had the favor of God on him. And one thing about Daniel is he was living in a culture that was not very godly. It was not very godly. Let me just tell you, kids and parents, sometimes we're living in a culture that's not very godly. But Daniel stood his ground and continued to be faithful in the things that God showed him. And so Daniel is actually getting favor from God and he gets high up and he's friends with the king. He's close with the king. Except all these other people see Daniel and they're like, we need to get rid of that guy. That guy's, I don't understand his favor. We want to be good with the king. And so they say, well, how can we trip him up? Well, they couldn't find anything because Daniel continued to follow after God. So the one thing they found about him is that he always prayed. And they said, you know what, let's get him. This is how we're gonna get him. That, that we're gonna make it that whoever prays to somebody other than the king will get in trouble and get thrown in the lion's den. 
because they knew they would trip him up on this. And so the king ordered an edict, ordered a law that said anybody that prayed to anybody else other than me, the king, will get thrown in the lion's den. Well, they tricked him. And then we see Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. I want you to see this verse behind me. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, so he finds out about this law. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Listen to this. Three times a day. Everybody say three times a day. Ready? Three times a day. He got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Don't miss that, kids, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, however old you are just as he had done before. You see, Daniel didn't have to wait until a a virus suddenly hit and suddenly go, oh, now I should pray. Oh, Lord, please help me. No, and you know what he was doing? He was giving thanks to God. Really? I mean, this law went against everything that he, he loved. He was giving thanks to God. Do you have a grateful heart? Do you have a thankful heart in this season? You know, that's what God's looking for. You know what's amazing is he humbled himself. That's what it means. When you kneel down like this to pray, it shows a posture of humility. You know, my son is four years old, and uh, his prayers can get a little crazy sometimes. I'll be honest with you. Lately, my son has been praying for something very specific, a dirt bike. He has been asking God every night for a dirt bike, not any old dirt bike, one that's black, and then it has this fire decal on the side. Like, he's got this thing in his mind. I don't know where he saw this. Thanks, Nani. <laughs> you probably showed this to him. But he's been asking for this. I said, I said Gray, that's not how it works. <laughs> God's not a genie. Just drop this dirt bike. There it is, you know. But I have to be careful because he prayed about a blue van, and now we have a blue van, and I didn't want one. But, but our, kids, our kids' prayers are powerful. But in the book of James, it says, when you ask, you don't get what you want because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask with the wrong motives. And it's so important that you have the heart of God, just like Jesus with the Father. You know, when my daughter asks me for something, she knows how I feel about things, and she has a relationship with me. And that's the same it is with our Heavenly Father. When you ask God, you say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And that's what he showed by kneeling down in that moment in prayer. See, he prayed three times a day when it was good, when he was on the mountaintop. And he prayed three times a day, even when he was in the valley. See, your, your life is going to be like this rocky railway. And there's going to be times where you're going to be up. There's going to be times when you're down. But you should pray continually. Let's put that verse up one more time. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I believe you guys can say this with me again. Say it loud enough that everybody that's online can hear you as well. You ready? Pray continually. One more time. Pray continually. All right, we got one more in us. Ready? Pray continually. All right, you guys. Well, thank you. And Pastor Aaron, come on up. All right. Thank you, Pastor Chris. All right, so what's the first track that's going to get us up and over the mountain? What's the first track? The word. word. What's the second track? Prayer. Prayer. There's one more track that we want to give you that God has given you for the moments where saying, I think I can, just isn't enough. The last track is the church, the church. Pastor Chris, if you'll lay this on the tracks for us. Uh, 
I want to tell you quickly one more story, and, and it was actually several years after Daniel prayed and sought the Lord. God heard his prayer, and some of the Israelites got to go back to the land of Israel. They got to go back, and they followed a man named Ezra, and they began to rebuild the temple of God, the place of worship. And then another man came along named Nehemiah, and Nehemiah's job was to lead the people in rebuilding the walls, because a city in those days that didn't have walls around it was unprotected. So it didn't really matter how nice your temple was or how nice your houses were. They weren't safe. And so Nehemiah came to help build the wall, but Nehemiah was up against a couple bullies. I don't know if you've ever experienced bullies before, but there were two bullies that were just terrorizing Nehemiah. And the Bible tells us in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2, about these two guys. Their names were Sanballat and Tobiah. Now, I've never met a Christian family who named their son Sanballat <laughs> because he was a bully. If your name is Sanballat, don't be a bully. God bless you. Don't be a bully. Here's what they were doing. And the Bible tells us in verse 2 of Nehemiah chapter 4 that Sanballat came along, and here's what he said. He said, what are those feeble Jews doing? They said, will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? They were just just making fun of the work. And then his buddy Tobiah came along beside him, and he started in, in the next verse. Tobiah said, what they are building, even a fox climbing on it would break down their wall of stones. Then you guys, you put all this effort in. This is, that's the worst wall I've ever, this is miserable. This is terrible. You guys are never going to get this job done. And so they began to do something. The Bible says they prayed. In fact, the next verse tells us, in verse 4, they said, hear us, God. They prayed, like Pastor Chris said, they, they called on God. They also doubled back to the promises that God had given them. They went back and they rehearsed the word. But the third thing they did, and this was so important to them being able to finish the project, the Bible says they came together. They came together. Because listen, not only does God Yes, he wants you to get over the mountain. Yes, he wants you to overcome the obstacles in your life. Yes, he wants you to be an overcomer, but he never intended you to do it alone. He never intended you to do it alone. And so what did they do? Nehemiah brought all the people together. In verse 6, in Nehemiah 4, says this, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their hearts. So all the people worked together, and they started building the wall. Now, they didn't get it all the way built. They got it halfway built, but they were making progress because they were all working together. But then the Bible says they were just getting worn out. They were just getting tired. They, they just didn't have the strength to be able to build the wall and to stand against the enemies that were threatening them. Because Sanballat and Tobiah, those two bullies, they started getting their armies together, and they were going to attack. And they told them, you know, just like a bully does, they didn't just beat them up. They said, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to meet you on the playground. I'm going to beat you up. They were putting fear in their hearts. And the Bible says they just didn't have the strength to do it all, so they needed a plan. So here's the plan. Nehemiah said, you're going to take a weapon and you're going to hold it in one hand, and you're going to take your tool, and you're going to hold it in the other hand. So I want you to work, and I want you to build, but I want you to also make sure you got your weapon ready. 
And so the people tried to do that. They were working and building and building and, and, and working and fighting off the enemy, and, and they were getting tired. But they needed another part to the plan. And this is what I really want you to hear about the plan. It's in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 18. This is what it says. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Nehemiah said, we got another part of the plan. Not only are you going to keep your sword on you at all times, and you're going to stand guard, and you're going to work, but I got a guy with a horn, and the guy with the horn is going to stay with me. Because you got to understand, they're, they're, they're not building a house. They're building a wall that goes around the city. So everybody's spread out. So if the enemy comes over here, half the guys with the sword are on the other side of town. So Nehemiah said, we're going to keep a lookout. And if we see the enemy coming over here, the guy with the horn is going to run over here, and I'm going to have him blow the horn. And I didn't bring a horn because we're talking about getting up the rocky railway. So I brought a whistle. And he's going to say, and when you hear the horn, I want everybody to come running with your sword over to this side of town, and we're going to defend one another. But if you're working in the heat of the day and you hear the whistle on the other side of town, drop your tools and come running with your sword and help us defend this city. And I want to tell you, that is what the church is. The church, listen, we don't have, a, we don't have church bells on our roof. But every time you hear the church bell ring, it's like somebody's blowing the trumpet. Every time the doors open on Sunday, it's like we're rallying and saying, hey, everybody get together. This is the place where we're going to win the victory. This is the place where we're going to help each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to get up over the mountain. I know you don't feel like you can do it. I know you've been praying. I know you've been reading your Bible. But if you just aren't getting there, we're going to blow the horn every Sunday morning. And we're going to rally together and find strength for victory. Amen. God wants you to get over the high places, the difficult places, but you were never meant to do it alone. So how do we do it? How do we blow the horn in our own lives? The Bible tells us in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, this is what it says. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, your prayers are effective. My prayers are effective. They're powerful. But my prayers can do no good in your life if you don't tell me what to pray for. And so he said, confess your sins to one another. And you said, well, that doesn't sound fun at all. I, I thought it was the Catholic church that said, confess to a man. I mean, over in our camp, we just talk to God. He's the great high priest. We go right to God, right? No, the Bible says both. The Bible says we can go to the Father, but the Bible also says confess your sins to each other. Why? Because when we become vulnerable enough to share the fact that, man, I'm struggling. I, I need somebody to pray with me. It's like we're, we're sounding the alarm. We're, we're blowing the horn, and all of a sudden, the body of Christ can gather around you. You can have someone pray for you. They come with the sword of their faith, and they defend you. The Bible tells us that we can help one another. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, carry each other's burdens, 
And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. He said, the law of Christ for my life, the law of Christ for your life is to carry each other's burdens, to bear one another's burdens. But listen, I can't fulfill the law of Christ. I can't bear what you don't share. I'm going to say that again. If you don't share, I can't bear. And if I'm going to obey the law of Christ in my life to help you out, every once in a while, you got to be vulnerable enough. You got to be honest enough. You got to be real enough to say, I need a little prayer. I need a little help here. My kids are driving me crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm about to choke my spouse. I'm, a, I, you know, I'm, about to lose, I'm about to lose my mind at work. This, this sickness is just is plaguing my emotions. Whatever it might be, you got to sound the alarm sometimes and say, I need the church to pray. I need people to pray. So you say, and then we pray. You speak, and then we seek. You got to open up your mouth. You got to be vulnerable enough to say, I am not called to get over this mountain alone. God has given us the ability through his word, through prayer, through the church. It's not about just smiling big and saying, well, let's just, let's just fake it till we make it. Because you can fake it till you make it until you realize, I can't make it. <laughs> or you can lean in to God's plan. So what we're going to do today is I want to give you something to remember this with. Our ushers are going to come, and they're going to give you a piece of a train track. Now, you don't get the whole track, just like you're not the whole church. You get a piece. You're a part of it. And I want to challenge you, kids, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, church members, I want to challenge you. Put it somewhere that will just be a reminder that when you see it, you can just remember, you know what? God has enabled me to stay on track when life gets rocky. Amen. When life gets tough, God has enabled me to stay on track. And for some of you, the challenge, it might just be one of these things. For some of you, the challenge is this. Your word, have I, uh, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light for my path. And maybe for you, when you heard Day talking about, you know, not, not getting in the word by yourself, not knowing how to read the word for yourself, and you realize today, you know what, having a message once a week, that's not enough. Hearing one sermon, that's not good enough. Not good enough for me, not good enough for my family. And for you, you say, you know what, I got to get on track if I'm going to keep the train moving here. And so I'm going to read the word. For some of you, it's prayer. It's your prayer life. For you, your prayer is nothing more than, than a parachute. It, it's, a, it's an emergency button. You hit the panic button and, and you pray. And, and maybe your prayer life has sounded like this. When the crisis comes, you start to pray and then you have to start like this. God, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't pray sooner. But if you'll forgive me for that, I could really use your help right now. And maybe for you, you realize, you know what? I need to pray continually. Like 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray continually. Maybe you need to set an alarm on your, on your phone or something to remind you to just pray. 
And for all of us, God has called us to be a part of the church. He's called you to be a part of the family of God. And part of our responsibility as his family is to encourage one another. Can I tell you, you're not helping yourself or anyone else if you just come in on Sunday morning with a plastic smile and God bless you, God is good, yeah, amen, oh yeah, God is faithful. And then you go out to the car and you let out a deep sigh as you take off the facade. Come on, we got to be real. We got to be real with one another because there's strength. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person is effective and powerful. And we want to bear your burdens. And we need you to bear ours. I want you to know I have no expectation of perfection on myself. I'm not going to put myself under that load. And so I hope you won't put it on me. I'll tell you right now, your pastor needs prayer. You're not looking at no saint up here this morning. We need to be able to bear one another's burden. That means we have to be gracious with one another. So I want to pray for you today as we get ready to close this service. You take this piece in your hand of the railway. And maybe just one of those in particular areas, you need to respond right now to God. And just pray a prayer and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read your word. Or maybe you need to pray, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray continually. Maybe you need to say, God, I need to talk to somebody. And this conversation with God is only the first step. And you need to say, God, I need to open up with somebody. I need to tell somebody what I've been dealing with, what I've been going through, how I've been feeling. Because I realized today I can't make it on my own. And you didn't call me to. If you're here today and I'm going to pray for you, I want to ask you to bow your head with me. And close your eyes. I want to ask a very direct question. If you're here today and you feel like your life is off track, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today, if that's you, I want to challenge you to blow the horn, sound the alarm, and call out to God for help. You say, how do I do it? The Bible says this. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. We will be saved. And you can sound the alarm today and express faith by just slipping up a hand and saying, I need Jesus to rescue me. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, young and old, if you need Jesus to forgive you of sin and to get your life back on track, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I want to just invite you to lift up your hand. It's your way of saying, I'm blowing the horn today. I'm calling for backup. I need the help of the Lord in my life. One, two, if that's you, just lift your hand. Three, three. Come on, all over this room, all over this room, praise God. All over this room, we're saying, God, I need your help today. God, don't leave me out here. I can't make it on my own. I need a Savior to rescue me. Now, I want everybody in the building, we're going to rally around those that raise their hand. Everyone online, we're going to rally together and we're going to pray this out loud. Say it with me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior, my Lord, my help, 
my friend, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person. Give me the power to stay on track. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give God praise because I believe he's doing it right now. Amen. Amen. Let's do something together. Let's all stand all over this room. I mentioned it earlier in this service, church. I, I just want to say it again. I want to say it again. God wants to do something powerful in this season. He's not waiting for a better season. He's not waiting for more opportune time. You know why? Because the Bible says, Zephaniah, it is not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He doesn't need those other conditions to align. It's by the power of the spirit. God wants to do something powerful in your life. I want, I want to pray a closing prayer. And I just want you to receive this blessing over your life today. Would you just stretch your hands towards the Lord with me? Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you for the young people in this church. God, for the imparted truth of your word that is alive in them. God, let it be a lamp to their feet. Let it be a light to their path. God, thank you for the power of prayer. Thank you that this is a praying church, that we're not afraid to lift our voice, that the children that grow up in this church are going to know how to touch heaven because we pray continually. God, thank you for the strength that we can have because we're a part of the church. Thank you, God, that we can link up with one another. And when our I think I can isn't enough, there is power in agreement. Thank you, Lord God, that the effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. God, give us grace to not just help each other get over the mountain, but God, help us to be the ones that stop like that little engine that could. Help us to be the ones that stop and carry others with us in the journey. God, I thank you that we are on the gospel train that this train is bound for glory. So God, demonstrate your goodness and your power through us in this year. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Come on, let's give God praise one more time today. Amen. Amen.